0: Thank you, Ben, for reading our scripture. We're glad that you're here tonight. We are gonna be looking at Psalm 119. I would call attention to Psalm 119. We're gonna be talking tonight about shaped by scripture. Our goal is to be more Christ-like and more God-like. And the only way that I know to become more God-like is to be submissive to the Word of God and try to take what is recorded in scripture and allow that to mold and shape us after God's will. So tonight we're gonna be looking at Psalm 119. We do want to remember we've got a lot of folks that are sick, that are battling illness. We want to remember them in our prayers, as I know many of you do. Uh, We've got some that are doing better, uh, some that are gonna be having surgery, and so we always want to remember them in prayer. There are some things we can't do, but one thing we can always do is pray. And so we wanna remember those who are battling Uh, some very difficult times. Remember them in your prayers. I know that it is an encouragement to them to know that you're praying on their behalf. So tonight we think about shaped by scripture. I want to call attention to Psalm 119 because in this psalm, a lot is said about God's Word. The psalmist has tremendous appreciation for the Word of God. And really in this psalm, There is an exaltation of God's Word, and I want to begin by, first of all, calling attention to his attitude towards Scripture. His attitude towards Scripture. A couple of things here. First, when I think about the psalmist and his attitude or perception of Scripture, first and foremost, I'm reminded of the fact that he respected God's Word. Listen again to what being read a moment ago from Psalm one nineteen one sixty one, 161. says persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. The psalmist had tremendous respect or reverence for God's word. I would submit to us tonight that we ought to stand in awe of God's word. There are probably any number of reasons why we ought to stand in awe of God's Word, but one reason is because the Bible is not, as you well know, the product of men, but rather it is the product of Almighty God. And so through Scripture, we have the opportunity to read the mind of God. God has disclosed to us His will, His mind. We have the opportunity, the privilege... Of reading and studying and listening to what God has to say to us through Scripture. Again, the psalmist said, My heart stands in awe of your word. I wish that there were more people in America that stood in awe, that respected God's word. I think that there was a time in our country when more people recognized that this book was a product of God. You know, Paul, many, many years ago, said all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, he said it's profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness' sake, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good word. Peter said that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, And by that, he simply meant that God's Word did not originate with man, but rather holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. David in 2 Samuel chapter 23 said, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and His Word was on my tongue. So we have the verbally inspired Word of God. God has revealed His will for us. And you look at some of the problems that we face in America, some of the problems that are not just in America, but globally speaking. A lot of the problems that the human family faces could be rectified or corrected if we would simply go back and stand in awe of the Word of God. I do believe that many of our founding fathers, those men and women who paid a dear price for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country, it's my conviction that they had a deep and abiding respect for God's Word. When people abdicate themselves from the Word of God, the bottom line is anarchy reigns, doesn't it? One of the real problems that we have in our country today, chaos and mayhem, anarchy, if you please, because more people don't respect the Word of God. So the psalmist, as we think about being shaped by Scripture, in order to be shaped by Scripture, we have to have the right attitude. The psalmist stood in awe of the Word of God. He respected the Word of God. But there's a second thing. Not only did he respect the Word of God, but I would suggest to you he relished the Word of God. In other words, he couldn't get enough of God's Word. Listen, if you would, to what he says down in verse 72. The law of your your mouth is better to me than thousands of shekels of gold... And silver. Would you say that the psalmist placed a premium on the word of God? He understood that God's word is something that really, in many respects, can't be bought, can it? Do you remember Solomon said, Buy the truth and sell it not, emphasizing the importance of truth reigning in our lives? And then drop down if you would, look at verse 103. Oh, how sweet are your words to my taste! Sweeter than honey to my mouth. So we're left with the impression that the psalmist had the right attitude toward Scripture, and really his attitude was such that he was constantly desiring, as we would say, more and more. Think about what he says in verse 97 Oh, how I love your law! It is my meditation all the day. So we're garnering insight into his attitude toward. The Word of God. And today the beauty of Scripture is we have it. We have the opportunity to read it, to study it, to meditate upon it. So we think first and foremost about His attitude towards Scripture, but then secondly, what about His aptitude? What about His aptitude in the Scriptures? I want to call attention. Go back with me if you would for a moment and go back and look at the first few verses in chapter 119. The first thing that stands out to me is that the psalmist was willing to be instructed by God's Word. We would do well to ask the question, are we willing to learn what God has to say to us through His precepts? So listen to him in Psalm 119, 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with the whole heart. He said, they also do no iniquity, They walk in his ways. And then he said, You've commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed. When I look into all your commandments, I will praise you with the uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. I mentioned a moment ago, Verse 97, oh, how I love your law, it's my meditation all the day. In order to allow the Word of God to shape, to mold our character, we have to be willing to spend time in it. And really, we have to be willing to be submissive to the Word of God, to be instructed. Do you remember Samuel of old, just as a boy? When Samuel said, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. That ought to be our attitude that we are submissive to the will of God, to the Word of God, that we want to make it a part of our lives. Now, I think about how he was willing to be instructed by the Word of God, but there was also a willingness to internalize the Word of God. Look, if you would, at verse 9. He asks this question, How can a young man cleanse his way? Here's his answer, By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. In verse 11 he said, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. The psalmist here expressing his desire to take the word of God and really, as we would say, Make it a part of his life. Do you remember what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And the idea, the thrust of that statement is you take the word of God and you let it sink deeply down into your heart. And then you take that word and willingly be instructed by it. We're internalizing God's word. We're allowing it to find a home in our lives doesn't come by accident, but rather it comes with the intent to learn more, to grow. Notice, if you would, in verse 17. He said, deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may see wondrous things from your law. Have you ever been engaged in a study of a passage of Scripture? And you've been... You have been grappling with this passage for maybe some time, and you're looking at it from various angles, trying to grasp the meaning, the application of what that verse has to say. And then all of a sudden, that light pops on, and you get it. You understand. You see something wondrous from that passage of Scripture. The beauty of Scripture is you can always learn, you can always grow. You can always see something different from the various angles of God's Word. That's the beauty of Scripture, isn't it? That's the beauty of reading and studying and meditating on the truth of God. We could pick up a book of fiction or some other type book and read it, and maybe we would enjoy it, and maybe we would see something that we missed in our first run-through in the book. But you can read the Word of God over and over and over again. the beauty is you'll see something new and different many, many times. Back in Psalm 1 at verse 2, the psalmist said that he meditated in the law of Jehovah, and he said he did that day and night. In order to be instructed by the Word of God and to internalize God's Holy Word, it takes effort, doesn't it? It takes effort on our part. Listen, if you would, to what he says down in... Listen to him in verse 26. He said, I've declared my ways, and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Look at verse 27. Make me understand the way of your precepts. He said, so shall I meditate on your word. The psalmist, again, from my perspective, had tremendous appreciation for the word of God. He recognized that this book was something that ought to cause us to pause and to stand in awe We ought to be respectful of God's Word. We ought to relish the Word of God. That was his attitude. And then by way of his aptitude, his desire was to continue growing and learning. He wanted to be instructed by the Word of God. He wanted to internalize the Word of God. Sometimes it's good at at the end of the year to maybe take an assessment of where you are spiritually speaking, when it comes to your knowledge in God's Word, how would you fare? If you were to sit down and take, let's just say, 50 basic fundamental questions about the Word of God, fundamental questions such as, who built the church? And then put a passage out beside that. Or, who is the head of the church? and Put a passage out beside that. How many churches are there? And and again, put a verse out beside that. What is God's plan of salvation? And list every step in God's plan of salvation and give a scripture. Could you do that? Could you give the five acts of worship and put a scripture out beside those acts of worship? When we talk about the work of the church, could you identify one or two passages of scripture that underscore what the work of the church is all about? What about with regard to personal behavior, about how we are to behave as children of God? Could you give some verses that would suggest you understand what it means to behave in the kingdom of God? What about commitment? Can you think of a verse or several verses that relate to our commitment to the cause of Christ? Our love for God. The Bible says we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Could you put a scripture to that? The Bible says we're to seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. Could you put a scripture to that? Basic, fundamental questions. Questions that every person who's a member of the body of Christ ought to be able to answer. Now, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some work. And the only way to get it done is to open the Word of God and just do it. Listen again to what the psalmist said. Look at Psalm 119.97. Now, I want you to think about, think about what he says here. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. Here's the bottom line. If you spend enough time in the Word of God, the byproduct of that is going to be you will know it. And once you acquire God's Word from the vantage point of knowledge, personal knowledge, nobody can take that from you. Peter said, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you might grow thereby. You might be a baby in Christ. It might be the case that You haven't been a Christian that long. But the goal ought to be to grow to maturity. Sadly, sometimes, those of us who are members of the body of Christ, we've been members for years and years and years. And we are no more knowledgeable today than we were when we became a Christian. That's a travesty. You know, the Hebrew writer chided the people in the first century because he said they should have been at a point, spiritually speaking, when they knew what we would call the fundamentals of the faith, the cardinal doctrines of the New Testament. He said, but you have need that someone teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. In other words, you need somebody to teach you your ABCs. It's Time to go back to school. So if you're not where you ought to be, where you want to be in terms of your knowledge of the word of God, then I want to encourage you to study. To have a willingness to be instructed by the Word of God and then to willingly internalize that Word of God. Again, it doesn't come by accident, it doesn't happen overnight, but over time, you'll be amazed at how much you'll grow. But you'll never grow if you don't spend time in the book. It never happens. All right, there's a third thing, and that is the application of Scripture. We think about the psalmist and his attitude toward Scripture, his aptitude in the Scriptures, and then thirdly, his application of Scripture. The bottom line is God's Word is not going to do us much good if we don't take what we hear and make application to our own life, right? Remember what James said, be doers of the Word and not hearers only? Sometimes we hear a lot, But the question is, do we put it into practice? Jesus asked the question on one occasion, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus emphasized the importance of doing the will of the Father who is in heaven. And he talked about the wise man who heard the word of God and did it. And he said, The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not because it was founded upon the rock. And he likened that person to somebody who heard the Word of God and did it. The foolish, though, he said, They hear the Word of God, and the rains descended, the floods came, the winds beat upon that house, and he said, And it fell, and great was was its fall. So, from the vantage point of Jesus, what he's saying is, Only a foolish person would hear what God has to say And not employ it in his or her life. So, two things here. The psalmist recognizes that the Word of God is a lamp. Look at him, if you would. Look at verse 104. He said, Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Could I ask you a question? How can you discern between right and wrong, truth or error, good or bad, without knowledge of God's Word? Can you do that? Can you know what God permits and what God prohibits without a working knowledge of His Word? You know what the answer to that is? Absolutely not mentioned just a moment ago, Hebrews chapter 5, where the writer talked about those who were not growing spiritually. They were still feeding on milk rather than strong meat. And he said that one of the byproducts of knowing the Word of God is that you might be able to discern between good and evil. There are people in our country today, and sadly there are folks in the church, when it comes to knowing what God wants them to do, what God, has to, or what, rather what God has said about right, wrong, truth, error, etc., they don't know. And so the psalmist said, look, the way I get understanding is through his precepts. And based on what his precepts have revealed, whatever is false, whatever is wrong, whatever is evil, he said, I hate it. Now look at verse 105. Your word... "...is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path." So first he's saying that God's Word lights our way. It's a lamp, isn't it? Do you remember what John said in 1 John chapter 5? He said, "...the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one." Some translations may say, "...the whole world lies in darkness." Jesus came as a light in a darkened world of sin, didn't He? And Jesus said in John chapter 3, with regard to people on planet Earth that that day and time, He said, men love darkness rather than light. So in order for us to correctly live in this world, what do we need? We need the light of God's Word, don't we? God's Word illuminates in a darkened world of sin. The devil loves darkness. And the devil wants to keep people in darkness. And so the only way to overturn darkness is to shine the light of God's Word in a lost and dying world. One of the ways that we do that, by opening this book. By living according to its precepts and being people of light ourselves. Do you remember Paul in Ephesians chapter 5? said, you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. And then here's what he said, walk as children of light. Could people follow you and make it to heaven? Are you allowing the light of God's Word to lead you? We talk about getting home and getting home safely, and by that I mean getting to our heavenly home. If you want to go to heaven, you better make sure that God's Word's lighting the way. You'll be in darkness otherwise. We need the Word of God lighting our way, and we need the Word of God leading our way. The safest, securest route from earth to heaven. Follow this book. Listen again to what the psalmist said. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I grew up in Chattanooga. Chattanooga is really nestled in a valley, surrounded by mountains, so to speak. When I was a kid, we used to go to Lookout Mountain. We used to go to Signal Mountain. Sometimes we would be on the mountain when it would snow. There were times when we would be on the mountaintop at night. We never, ever made our way down the mountain without our lights on. Let me tell you what, some of the curves going up the mountain and down the mountain, pretty rugged curves. So you had to make sure you could see properly. You think about life and all the curves and the ins, the outs, and all the problems and trials and things that we face in life. And then add to that the fact that the devil is doing everything he can, everything within his power to disrupt, and dismantle our faith. So if we want to get from Earth to Heaven, how do we do it? Better, better turn the light of His Word on in our lives. We better let Him lead the way. The only way to get from planet Earth to Heaven is by following the blueprint, following the map. Several years ago, I did a lot of traveling. And I came to depend on a map. And one of the things that I came to conclude, one of the conclusions I came to, was this. You better make sure, if you want to get to your destination, you follow that map to a T. You want to get home, you're going to be with the Lord one day, you better follow his word. Listen again to what the psalmist said. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What about you tonight? Is your life being shaped and molded by Scripture? Are you like Samuel of old who said, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Is your desire to draw closer to God through His Word? God speaks to us today through His Word. We have the opportunity to listen to what he has to say. And the beauty of it is, if we'll do what he says, he'll bless us, won't he? This morning I mentioned the fact that as a Christian, those of us who are children of God, we are blessed people. And I believe that with all my heart. And those of us who are Christians, we understand that one of the reasons we are blessed is because we have something that will guide us through life, that is his word. And we understand that by following this book a lot of the problems and unfortunate circumstances that befall people in this life that we can avoid those things. There are some pitfalls out there and there are some things in life that can destroy your faith. And yet as a child of God We want to protect our spiritual life. We want to protect the spiritual lives of our family members. So how do we do that? We open the Word of God, and we read it, study it, meditate on it, make application every day. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ, believing that Jesus is God's only Son. Jesus said, "'Except you believe that I am He,' He said, you'll die in your sins. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot come. If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God and you would be willing to repent of your sins, confess the name of Christ before others, and then be buried with Him in baptism, the Bible says all your sins will be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. If you'll be faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. I would hope and pray that one day we'll all be in heaven together. And the only way that we'll be in heaven together is if we all follow the same teaching, that is the Lord's teaching, if we follow His Word, and He'll lead us safely home. Many, many years ago, Simon Peter said it best. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of life eternal. Life eternal, connected to Christ. It's only in Christ. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful to His cause, could we encourage you to come back? To ask God to forgive you of your sins. We'll be happy to pray with you and for you, and God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.